Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Yeah, you know, many people thought that the church was going to, you know, go into decline because of COVID. And I guess there have been some places where perhaps the lamp has gone out and they have gone into decline. But where the church is alive and vibrant, the church is growing and expanding. And it's hard for us as we look around the building because we can only have 250 people in here because that's 50% of our capacity. But the church, actually, we've grown to 1,000 people. This is, I mean, this is amazing, yeah? Yeah. And, and so we, we, we recognize that the Lord is adding to, to the family, is adding to the body, and he's causing us to, to, uh, to continue to grow and to expand. And, you know, the, uh, the reason for us just taking time to do the update for the building is we're going to need it. Yeah? Uh, we, uh, we won't always be in COVID. And there'll be times when, you know, the family wants to gather together. And so we're going to need to, to think about the, the next phase, the next building. Yeah. Um, just a little bit of clarity, though. The, uh, the bank balance that we have, people had already committed, but they'd committed towards the new building, which is why we're not using those funds to buy chairs. If people gave it for a specific thing, we need to honor that and to use the finances for that. So just to, uh, to bring some clarity there, um, we, we wouldn't want you to think that we're capturing your money, using it for other means. Um, I nearly said a few naughty things, but probably we should, should just be good. So, you know, maybe what you want to do is you want to think about, hey, wow, if a seat is a thousand rands, maybe I could actually target buying a seat. We won't put your name on it. Um, but, you know, just to, to have something of a faith target, you know, maybe you, you want to buy for yourself and for someone else or a family or, you know, that, that kind of depending on, on how the Lord has blessed you. You know that some sectors of our economy have had the best year in this COVID time than they've ever had. One of the mines just in this first quarter made a profit of 20 billion rands. Just one mine here in Joey's. Just in the first three months of this year. That's huge. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Things are growing and expanding. It's not all doom and gloom. Yay! The things that we've been praying into, the things we've been prophesying, declaring, it's happening. All right. I know there's a little bit of a chill in terms of the temperature, but that's just the weather. Inside, let's keep it hot. And let's keep it vocal. Encourage the preacher. Yeah. 
Okay, that's better. I wondered if I was in the wrong place this morning, but okay, great. We're in the right place. And thank you at home as well. Keep those comments going. All right, so good. The Lord is doing wonderful things in the body of Christ. And the, the outpouring of the Spirit was to cause the people of God to be strengthened and encouraged that they might live a life that pleases the Lord. And when the outpouring of the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, there were some really unusual things that took place. It caused a few people to be uncomfortable. And when God is moving in his people and in his church, sometimes it can be a little uncomfortable. And we need to be okay with mystery. The people on the day of Pentecost were amazed, they were bewildered, and they were perplexed. Which meant that God was doing something different from what they thought he should do. When God is doing things, he doesn't always fit into our preconceived ideas and patterns. So if we want to keep moving with God, we have to be flexible. We have to be open to things being different. So to say, we've always done it this way, is not a phrase we want to use here at Breakthrough. Fine that we have some reference points from the past, but we want to keep moving on with the Lord. And sometimes when God breaks out among us, it can be a little bit messy like on the day of Pentecost. I mean, goodness, they had what appeared to be like like flames of fire that were just above their heads. Now that would cause a few church people to get uncomfortable. You know, and then, and then the people were so under the influence of the Holy Spirit that people mistook them for being under the influence of alcohol. They made fun of them, they scoffed at them, and they said, these people are drunk. And Peter had to remind them that the Shabins weren't open yet. <laughs> it was only nine o'clock in the morning. There was this crazy noise that happened. There were all of these strange signs, things that caused people to wonder what was going on. And so when God is moving in and through his people, sometimes it looks a little bit different than what we might call order. So you go, you know, either end of the spectrum, you know, we talk about, you know, the nursery, the, the place where babies are, and then you talk about the morgue the beginning and the end kind of thing. And the one 
Everyone is neat, stay in their place, and they don't move. <laughs> the other one is full of life, and it's very messy. Sometimes a little smelly in there too, but <laughs> hey, the church needs to be filled with life and new birth and growth and sometimes can look a little bit messy. And we say we're okay with that. Hallelujah. So good. Now, one of the things that we see in the scripture, and we're going to go there in a moment, is that as people journey with the Lord, some of them come into an experience themselves, personally, of an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Some of them come into that experience, boom, right at the beginning, and others, they journey a bit with Jesus, and then they only discover, oh my goodness, there's Holy Spirit. It happened in the book of Acts, and it happens in God's church today. The, the thing is that we need to ensure that we're giving everybody an opportunity to encounter the living God. Because we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is alive and God is moving. That Holy Spirit didn't stop moving in and through the people of God, after the last of the apostles died off. We believe that Holy Spirit is still with us. That the words of Jesus ring true. Where Jesus said, it's good that I go away, because when I go, then another one just like me, the parakletos, another one just like me. When he comes, the one who comes alongside you, he will lead you and he'll guide you into all truth. Holy Spirit is still leading and guiding and bringing us into the fullness of truth. Yay! Holy Spirit's still working. All right. Now, would you turn your Bible on? And uh, we're not going to put the scriptures up on the screen this, um, this morning because there are some pretty long passages and it uh, would be great for you to, to follow along yourself. So if you've got your phone or whatever it is, wherever you've got your Bible, please would you, you take, a, take a look in the book of Acts. Yeah, it had to be Acts on the day of Pentecost, right? But I'm actually going to a different chapter than, than what you thought. All right. So um, we're actually going to... Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Yay. Acts chapter 8. So there was a persecution that broke out uh, against the people of God. Uh, Stephen had been stoned. It was a, a, a very traumatic time for the, the believers. There were several thousand people who were part of the church in Jerusalem but. By this stage, you had the the apostles, you had the deacons, and Stephen was one of the deacons, and he was a man full of the spirit, and uh, and he gives this 
uh, amazing sermon and uh, uh, it, it, it provokes something, you know, a true relationship with Jesus will spark a negative reaction from the religious sector. Always has, always will. And because of, of his stoning, then persecution breaks out against the church. And the Lord is bigger than whatever opposition comes against the church. So what the enemy tries to, to bring about for the demise of the church, God turns that around and says, all right, why don't we just turn it up a notch? So instead of everybody running down into lockdown and isolation, they actually scatter. They leave Jerusalem. And they begin to fulfill the mandate that was given to them in Acts chapter 1. Wait in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit will come, and then I want you to be a witness to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Remember that? That was, you know, the 10 days leading up to Pentecost, they're praying, they're waiting in the upper room, Holy Spirit comes, and they get the first part right, Jerusalem. Judea is the immediate sort of geographic region, but Samaria, they hadn't really gone there. Persecution helped them to get on the journey. This is a few years later. I know that when we read Acts, because the words just keep flowing, we think, oh, this must be just a few days later or a few weeks later. No, this is a number of years later. The church has now subsequently grown more than 5,000 men, and we've got all the women and children. This is, this, is a, this is a very large church. Hello. This is a very large church. We love large churches. We love small churches, and we love large churches. The first church in Jerusalem was a large church. Some of us need to adjust some of our thinking. All right. Thank you. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. Ah. So the persecution causes something to break out. And he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. <laughs> when Jesus is doing things in people's lives, when people are being set free, one of the hallmarks is great joy. We should have an appreciation and an expectation 
of great joy to be in the church of God because God is doing things in the church. A smile would help me. Now, I know you got your mask on, but I'm looking at your eyes, and I can tell if you're faking it or if you really are smiling. All right? So this whole thing of joy when God comes is part of the deal. Jesus was anointed with joy more than any of his companions. That's why people like to be around Jesus. In fact, if you were throwing a party, you wanted Jesus to be there. Partly in case the wine ran out. But the sinners loved Jesus. He wasn't a, you know, a sour, somber, you know, killjoy. No, he was the one who released joy into the atmosphere. And so when Jesus is at work in a city, there's joy. That's why prophetically we call our city Joyburg. Because we prophetically declaring Jesus is at work in the city. Hallelujah. Now, it may get a little bit raucous because with shrieks, unclean, impure, demonic spirits were lifted off people. It happened in the Bible and it happens today. Yay. Sometimes it's going to even happen when the saints gather together and somebody comes in and there's something like a Klingon on them. Need to get the Klingons off. And we've got to be okay that sometimes it's going to happen at what we think are inappropriate moments. Nursery, messy, new babies, sometimes it's got to get cleaned up. We're not wanting to just be the gathering of those who are, you know, perfect, got it all together. It's going to cause some people to be bewildered. And perplexed. How can they let that happen in church? It's because they're looking for freedom. And they heard that if they came to this place, freedom was an option. And if in Bible times... People had to wrestle with this whole thing of being released, coming into a place of freedom, and there was unclean spirits around. Don't think that just because we have been westernized that there aren't unclean spirits lurking about. 
Hmm. Okay. But don't worry. We know how to take care of it. And these signs will follow those who believe. You read your Bible. Okay. That was in Mark. End of his gospel. These signs will follow those who believe. Any believers in the room? Any believers online? Yay. You have been deputized to kick the devil out on sight. You don't have to have a deliverance ministry. These signs will follow those who believe. Come on, it's about time the church rose up in strength and in power, in authority, knowing who she is. She is a bride that is growing up into the fullness of the stature of him. Mature, without spot, wrinkle, blemish. She's wearing a wedding dress, but if you lift up the skirt, she's wearing army boots. Because she's crushing the head of the serpent. Mm, that's us. So F Philip the deacon, he's down in Samaria. And the Samaritans and the Jews, there was a whole tension thing going on. Remember John chapter 4, the woman at the well? It's kind of like, hey, you guys don't associate with us. It's kind of like, whoa, these are the untouchables. These are the people who are different from us, you know. That, that we shouldn't be associating with them. It's kind of like, hey, we're going everywhere. We're here, and we're here to take over. We're here to make a difference. Hmm. All right. Many were healed, hallelujah, great joy in that city. Verse 9, now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention. And they exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. <laughs> they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But, but, when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ... They were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Oh, come on. 
What's going on here? Philip, he's evangelizing. He's releasing powerful signs and wonders. God is working in miraculous ways amongst the people in Samaria. And the people are believing. They're believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are being baptized in water. They're turning away from their sins and they're publicly declaring as they enter through the waters of baptism, Jesus is the King. He is the Lord. He's the Messiah. I'm turning away from my sin of life and unbelief and rejection of the Messiah and I'm turning to embrace new life, eternal life through my belief and my faith in Jesus. And they were baptized in water. And amazing things are happening. Yay. Yay. All right. Fellowship is happening. Ministry is happening. All of these good things. And then apostolic ministry comes in and says, great guys, this is really, really good. But what about the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And none of them at that point, even though they'd been journeying with God, none of them had actually received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now this is, for me, a little bit strange, because Philip is operating clearly in signs and wonders. And Philip would have been part of the church in Jerusalem and would have experienced... We don't know if he was part of the 120. We don't know. But he would have experienced, you know, so much of the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember when we get to Acts chapter 4, there's another massive encounter with the Holy Spirit. We know that this was a common thing, a common experience and expression amongst the believers there. They would speak in tongues. They would prophesy they would see the gifts of the Holy Spirit working, operating in their company. That was their life. Many miraculous and wondrous signs were done in that church community. So it seems a little bit strange that Philip, he's going there and he's not bringing them into the teaching, the training and the understanding of receiving Holy Spirit. The apostles come and they're kind of like, hey, let's bring things into right order. That's part of apostolic ministry. And they lay hands on these guys and they begin to speak in tongues and they begin to prophesy. That's why we know this is a completely separate, different experience from water baptism. It's right there. They were baptized in water in the name of Jesus and then later only when the apostles lay hands on them do they then receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Two fundamentally separate different baptisms. And it's available to all of God's people. And we want all of God's people to experience the fullness of the outpouring of the Spirit. The day of Pentecost isn't something that we should remember once a year in some kind of a festival Sunday and say, wow, isn't it amazing what happened nearly 2,000 years ago? 
No, it's something for us to experience and walk in in our own lives today and tomorrow and the day after that. We are to live in perpetual Pentecost. Mm. So good. Now, when we are living in perpetual Pentecost, it means things might look a little messy. Because in the first Pentecost, things did look a bit messy. But we said earlier, we're okay with a little bit of mess. Because what we think is mess, God calls order. So we can either have our order, which is going to look a little bit more like a morgue, or we can have his order, which looks a little bit more like a nursery. I know which way I voted. All right. So we're seeing the church growing, the people growing in their stature, in their experience in the Lord. They came into believing, they came into baptism, but then they stepped into another level, so to speak. And that's available for every single one of us. Okay, let's flip across 10 chapters later, and here we are in Acts 18. Acts 18 and verse 18. So now Paul, he stayed on in Corinth for some time, and then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Chantria because of a vow he had taken. We don't really know what that's about. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they had asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it's God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and he greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. Just a little side note here, Paul, as an itinerant apostolic ministry, was sent from a local church, and when he'd finished his ministry, he returned back to the local church, and there was a relationship of accountability and submission. Paul was not a lone ranger doing his own thing. He was associated and attached to the church in Antioch, and also to the church in Jerusalem. We are a little bit nervous of people who float around doing itinerant ministry, but they don't belong anywhere. They're not connected into an eldership of a local church. We're very nervous of that. Because we don't see that pattern displayed in the scriptures. In fact, if you look carefully, all of Paul's missionary journeys, he returned either to Antioch or to Jerusalem. Every single one of them. And he was sent. Difference between went and sent. Marvelous. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. 
Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor, and he taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Hmm. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and they wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Now while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Okay, so remember, Paul, the previous missionary journey, he pops through Ephesus, chats to them a little bit. They say, please, won't you stay? He said, listen, God willing, I'll come back. In the interim, Apollos, he's there and he's doing some stuff with Priscilla and Aquila. So there's some work going on, right? Paul comes back to discover what the level of their spirituality was. So he arrives at Ephesus and there found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Can you do that? Right? So they know that Jesus is the Messiah. They're believing in him. They're disciples. But they've not actually come into an experience themselves, an encounter with Holy Spirit. So Paul said, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, what's going on here? John the baptizer, the forerunner, prepare the way of the Lord. He called the Jewish people to turn from their sins to turn from their wickedness, from turning, turning from sort of rebelling against God's ways, and he called them towards righteousness, to repent from going astray. Jesus himself went through those particular waters. But that was a different baptism from believer's baptism that we see that happens on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 people were baptized on that day. Why? Because the baptism, believing into Jesus and believing the finished work of the cross is a different baptism from what John, the forerunner, was calling people to. These people were looking to turn towards God, 
but they didn't fully realize and understand that true life is found through faith in Jesus. His first coming, his death, burial, and resurrection, and that he's coming again. And so going through the waters of baptism, believer's baptism, that is what they then did through Paul's teaching. Clear? Fantastic. That's verse 5. Verse 6. Now when Paul placed his hands on them, then the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So they got themselves baptized and then separate action to that. Paul then lays his hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. They get filled with Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues and they begin to prophesy. Yay! What's the whole thing about prophecy? Simple kind of definition is hearing from God and then speaking and telling others what God is saying. We're talking here about the gift of prophecy, not that they were prophets. Okay? And so when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are being unleashed, if you like, in the family of God's people, because the Holy Spirit has been poured out, there's tongues and there's prophecy. Hallelujah. We want to give lots of space for tongues and prophecy amongst the gathering of God's people. It's for us. It's for today. It's what God's people are to be walking in. Mm. It seems a little bit strange to me that much of the church across the planet is happy to have baptism in water, but they don't want to step into that next thing. And yet, Jesus said to the 11, stay in Jerusalem, you guys are not ready yet. We spent three and a half years with you, Jesus. Not ready yet. We've gone on ministry trips for you. Not ready yet. We've, we, we've seen miracles and sight. Not ready yet. We, it was in our hands that the, the bread and the fish multiplied. You're not ready yet. We believe you're not ready yet. Wait until the Holy Spirit is upon you. When you're clothed with power from on high, then you'll be ready. If the apostles needed the empowering of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand.
why don't we just close our eyes and lift our hands to the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me? Would you touch me? Come on, just in your own words, just begin to reach out to the Lord and ask that you would receive that infilling, that outpouring of the Spirit. Even as happened on the day of Pentecost and then again in Acts chapter 4, as the people were in prayer and they were crying out to the Lord, the Lord came and he shook that place. And we really hope if the building doesn't shake right now, but Lord, shake us. Shake us out of complacency. Shake us out of a position of just saying, hey, it's, it's, it's not enough to just believe that Jesus is the Son. It's not enough just to see miracles. It's not enough just to have people delivered of demonic spirits. It's not enough for healings to take place. Lord, we want you. We want an outpouring of your Spirit. Just begin now to, to speak in the language of the Spirit. Begin to pray out in tongues. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're welcome in our hearts. You're welcome in our midst. Come, Lord, we release. Would you release new tongues and fresh tongues to your people today? Holy Spirit, would you come like fire again? Come and baptize your people again with fire. Cause your church to come alive. Cause us to be ignited, to be set ablaze, be on fire for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're doing it to us. You're doing it to the church. You're doing it to the body of Christ. Lord, cause it to increase, 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 increase. Thank you, Lord. Even like the, the fiery furnace for Daniel and for his friends, the furnace, it was ordered to be increased in temperature, many times hotter. Lord, would you cause the church to be many times hotter? Would you increase, increase our intensity? Lord, as we begin to pray now for ourselves and we're praying for the church in the city, let joy, let joy, let joy break out in the city. Let signs and wonders and miracles take place. Revive and renew. Revive and renew us. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Come on, let's begin to sing this song about the Lord coming and reviving the church in our nation, in our city. Let's worship the Lord together.